Good morning. It's good to be with you this morning. Uh, I spent the last week in Costa Rica uh, with my youth group, and so it's nice to be somewhere where there's air conditioned. And uh, we're excited to share with you this morning about our callings and also to challenge you to think about your calling. Your calling as an individual, your calling as a church, and our calling as a denomination. Uh, we are the Wilkersons, and we're going to Medellin, Colombia. This is a picture of us with our girls. This is when we first started going around to churches. Uh, Jacqueline here is only, she's only four weeks there. Uh, four weeks old, and Bella is two years old. She's the one between us. And Jessica is the one that makes us a pretty picture. So. <laughs> I, the Lord of sea and sky, I have heard my people cry. All who dwell in darkness and sin, my hand will save. I who made the stars of night, I will make their darkness bright. Who will bear my light to them? Whom shall I send? Here I am, Lord. It is I, Lord. I have heard you calling in the night. I will go, Lord, if you lead me. I will hold your people in my heart. Raise your hand if you've ever heard that song before. Yeah, it's a special song to me. For me, this is my first memory of being in the church. I was about five years old. I remember sitting next to my mom and we were singing it. And she leaned over and said, Patrick, this is my favorite song. And from that point on, it just naturally became my favorite song. And over the years, it grew to become part of what I would say is my calling. And even a motto for my ministry. I've always said, Lord, tell me where to go, and I'll go. Over the years, when I sing this song or hear this song, I get those chills. I go up and down your back. You know what those are? You know, when you feel like God is in your presence, when you're in worship... I call them God tingles, those tingles. And over the years, this song has really kind of pushed me and encouraged me to keep on going to places where maybe I'm not sure where I'm going, maybe I'm not sure what I'm going to do, but I know God's with me. Um, there's a scripture that is important to my family, and it's the Great Commission. Many of us have already heard it before. Jesus came and told his disciples, I have been given all authority in heaven and on earth. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I have given you. And be sure of this, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. What's your calling? What's God calling you to do, to go and to do? We all have a calling. We all get called at different times in our lives. Maybe we have multiple callings. What's your calling? There's not an age limit on them. You can't be too young. You can't be too old. You can't be in the perfect time of your life to do something. So what's your calling? Is it to build a discipleship relationship with someone? that you see at work or at church who seems to be lonely? Is it to get involved with Sunday school and to teach? Is it to go and go to seminary and become a minister or become a missionary or a chaplain? Is it to just love the people in your community? What's your calling? For me and my family, it's to literally go to Medellin, Colombia. This is a map of Colombia and um, three main cities. You have the capital, Bogota. You have Cali, where uh, our long-term missionaries, Beth and Boyce, have been for so long. Uh, Boyce passed away just a couple months ago. 
Beth is already back, and she is continuing what they have made their life to be. And we'll be in Medellin. Medellin is called the city of eternal spring because the weather is spring-like year-round, which is one of the main reasons we want to go there. <laughs> There's 2.44 million people in the city of Medellin. Medellin is completely surrounded by mountains. Everywhere you look, you're in a, you see mountains. It's like a little bowl in the valley of the mountains. And just to give you an idea of what 2.44 million people look like in the land area that Medellin has, um, think the population of Chicago and the land area of Metro Nashville. It's not very big, but there's a lot of people. Um, we will be going to Medellin for three years. We've committed to three years. After the three years, we come home for six months. We have a month of family time and to maybe go to Disney World, I don't know. And then we have five months that we will go around, we'll visit churches, we'll continue the relationships that we're building, and in that time discern if we want to go back, if we need to go somewhere else, uh, if they want us to come back, or if we're ready to come home for good. This is another picture of Medellin. It is. It is. We're very excited. Colombia has been tainted with a, a poor image. Uh, it, when you say Colombia, a lot of times what comes to mind is violence. What comes to mind is drug cartel. What comes to mind is um, rebels, guerrillas, and a war that's been going on for over 52 years. But I want you to know that if you can get your mind past those things, you find a different Colombia. You find a beautiful place. You find a very loving people. You find a church of ours that is growing. And you find people who are anxious to hear about Jesus and to go out into other parts of Colombia and even other countries to share what they have learned. This is just a picture I think is pretty. It's a region north of the city. Do you know what it's called? No? I told Micah I was really nervous because she actually knows if I'm pronouncing things right or wrong. <laughs> um, I was told that this is just kind of called the region of lakes. I don't know if that's accurate. But everywhere you look, green and blue lakes as far as you can see. Does anybody know what that is? Yeah, the number one reason we're going to Colombia. Coffee. Uh, coffee, when it is uh, ripe and ready to be harvested, turns red. It's actually a fruit. There's a bean inside of it. They take the bean out. They dry the bean. They ground it up. And we get to drink it for breakfast. Um, this is a typical farmland in Colombia. Um, I don't know if you can see it all the way back there. But because there are mountains everywhere, they plant their crops on the mountains. And it seems like anywhere that they can find a place, they clear out the trees and they plant their crops. Have you ever seen picture or videos of the mountain goats and they're walking and you're like, how did they get there and how are they going to get down? That's what I think of when you're driving through the mountains of Columbia and you see farmers up on the mountain. It's like, how did they get there and how are they standing? Um, but it's beautiful. This is a picture of a town called Amaga. I told Micah I have to think of valley girls and be like, oh my God, when I say oh my God. <laughs> That's the only way I can pronounce it. So I'm going to be going through Columbia and be like, oh my God. <laughs> uh, this city, this town is really special for me and Jessica and really is going to be a place where we spend a lot of our time and work. 
in October, we went on a preview visit with Micah's dad, Lynn. And um, we met and we met with all the pastors in their churches. Their, the pastors and church leaders told us what was going on in their communities. We asked them what ways can we help. And in this city, in this church, um, I got to see and experience probably the best thing that happened on our preview trip. And it was Jessica realizing what her call while we're in Columbia is. Jessica and I have been on the same page all along when we started the application process to go in the mission field. And in fact, Jessica's kind of been pushing us. And in times where I'm like, I don't know, Jessica's like, no, we need to do this. And a couple weeks before we went to Columbia in October, she said, Patrick, I know what you're going to do, but what am I going to do? In our meeting in this church, I saw God telling her what she was going to do. We were sitting, talking with the pastor, Pastor Johnny, same one, yes? Pastor Johnny and his uh, church leaders. And he started to share and said, you know, we're just a small coal mining community. What he didn't know is that after we had our first child, Bella, after Jessica's maternity leave, she went to work, and they put her in a different program. She's a social worker. And she didn't really like the program that they put her in. She kept on saying, well, when am I going to be able to go back to my old program? And after a couple months of wrestling with this, um, they kind of said, well, you know, that's kind of what happens when you go on maternity leave. So I said, Jessica, just quit. (laughs) You know, we can find something else. And she had a job offer, and um, she didn't really feel like that's what she wanted to do long term. But she took it because it was out what we thought necessity. What we didn't realize was that her job that she just took, where she had been working for the past three years in a small coal mining community, would prepare us for everything that we're gonna that she's gonna be doing in this church. And the pastor said, "You know, we're just a small coal mine." We deal with this, 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 and this. And I look up and I see Jessica just kind of smile. Just kind of, I could tell she was getting bright and excited. And and she said, well, that's what I do for a living. And he said, really? Well, what about this and this? And, And she said, yes, I do that every day. And he said, well, what about this? And she said, I already have a program and it's already translated in Spanish. I can bring it with me. After a minute, he just kind of looked at me and he said, Patrick... We don't really need you. We need her. (laughs) I said, that's fine. I'll come and drink coffee. So it's in this place that um, we feel like we're going to be spending a lot of our time working. It's outside the city, almost an hour drive. And um, this really goes to tell you that sometimes you're in a place and sometimes you're doing something. And God is preparing you for another door that's going to open. God is preparing you for something that he sees down the way that he he will have you do in his kingdom. This is just another picture of the drive on the way to this town. Uh, Just kind of typical Colombian landscape. I want you to see the face of the newest presbytery we have in the Cumberland Presbyterian Church, the Emmaus Presbytery. Uh, It was formed in February of this year. These are the pastors, some of the church elders and their families uh, that have been working there for years already who have been working hard to become an established presbytery and who are going to continue working and growing as the presbytery of Emmaus. I just want you to see the Colombians in Medellin. 
This is something I'm really excited to share about and really excited to go and experience. The man in the white robe in the left is a pastor named Josue, and Josue has started a work in this village. This village is a village of descendants of runaway slaves. I guess I didn't realize that Colombia had slavery just like we did. Colombia ended their slavery about 30 to 40 years before we ended ours. Before that, when slaves would run away, they kind of settled in this area. And this area has stayed secluded from the rest of Colombia for quite a while. Josue has gone in and he has shared with them about Jesus. And for many of them, it was the very first time they've ever heard of it. That's hard for me to kind of grasp being in the Bible Belt that somebody's never even heard of Jesus, it's kind of tough for me to process. But Josue has gone in there. This is a baptism service he did. We already have a candidate for the ministry that's taken pause classes in Colombia that is from this group of people and will continue to go into other places that me and Josue may not be able to go into. This is some of the children that are in that village. Like I said, in October, we went on a preview visit, and Lynn's in the middle. I'm sure you've seen him around here a couple of times. Um, and then we took Jacqueline with us. She was eight weeks old. We got her passport the week we were leaving. We were very nervous about that. Um, she's already been on five airplanes. We call her the world traveler, and she didn't cry on a single one. So that was, that was God with us. Because <laughs> every time you walk on a plane holding a baby that small, everybody just goes, <laughs> and I get it. I understand why. This is us with just a, a couple of the ministers and um, Lynn on our preview trip. So what are we going to be doing? You can basically break our job down into two things. We're going to be doing new church development and leadership development. Um, the whole time that we are going to be there, they want us working with four missions. In our denomination, when a group of people start meeting together to worship in church, they're called a group. Once that becomes more established, they're called a mission. Once the mission is more established, it's an official church. So we'll be working with four missions in Amaga, Embagado, Cristobal, and Bayo. The whole time we're working with these missions that are already um, established, actually one of them is actually a church. Um, the whole time we're working with them with programming and expanding and growing, we'll be looking for other places and other neighborhoods that we can start new churches. Because we have a new presbytery there, they um, want us to just provide leadership for the presbytery to make sure that it's functioning the way a presbytery should, that there are youth events, um, that there's women's ministry, which there already is. Their president is, I believe, 21 years old. She's very excited. It's very neat. Um, they want Jessica to look at the social needs in the area. Some of our churches are working with the mayor office, the mayor's office. And they have programs, but if you're outside the city limits, there's no programming. So they want Jessica to kind of take a look at it and see what she could do to help them get something started and um, to continue the work that's being done. One thing I'm really excited about is to provide pastoral care. I won't have a single congregation that I'm at every week. I'll be able to kind of go around. My congregation will be the pastors in the presbytery. If you know any pastors, you know that they don't take care of themselves. That they put their people first, 
and they and their families get put on the back burner. My job will be to go to these pastors who are in very stressful situations, who are working very, very hard, and say, how are you doing? How are you emotionally? How are you spiritually? How are you physically? How can I help you and encourage you to continue the work that you're doing? So I'm really excited about that. I also have the opportunity to do that with the seminary students that we have in the city. Another thing that we're both really excited about is they want us to coordinate and host a certain amount of mission trips every year. So we're traveling around, we're talking to churches, and we're seeing who's interested in doing a mission trip. Historically, mission trips, especially to Columbia, are usually some kind of construction project. What we're going around and we're telling people, and what we told the presbytery when we were there, is we don't want that to always be the case. We want to go and we want to visit with people, and if they have a dream, a vision of what they want to do, we want to help them be able to do that in Columbia. If they want to do a women's ministry trip, we can do that. If they want to teach BBS, we can do that. If they want to do an English camp, a sports camp, a medical trip, whatever people want to do, we want to help try to get that done in Columbia. So be thinking what you want to do when you come visit us. How can you support us? Some of it was already brought up in the children's sermon. Pray for us. Just remember that we're there. Um, I, what I hear from missionaries a lot is sometimes you, you get to a point where you feel like, do they even know I'm here? <laughs> so we're just asking for people to pray for us, to think about us. Um, I told one church, Jessica was already gone chasing Bella. Bella usually runs around and Jessica's chasing after her. Um, told one church that the month that we move there is our wedding anniversary, her birthday, and Jacqueline's first birthday. So there are things, special things that our family's going to miss out on and things that we're going to miss doing with our family. So just remember that and pray for us. Pray for our mission field and the work that we're doing. Pray for the churches that are already doing work there. And uh, promote us and other missionaries in the church. Get involved and excited in the mission work that's going on around our denomination. There's some really exciting things going on. And there's some new things that are kind of starting to come about in other places like Europe and other places in Central America. And um, Right now we have 20 CP missionaries. We have some that we can't even say who their names are, that they're doing some amazing things in countries where they're not even supposed to be doing things. Many times when I go around to churches, they don't know that we have 20 missionaries. Um, get involved, get excited, and have other missionaries come and share their stories with you. And to contribute to the Stotwallis Missionary Offering. All missionaries get paid through the Stotwallis Missionary Offering Fund. They get their salary, and they get their benefits. So as we're going around, we're trying to get people to get invested and to commit to giving long-term support, whether it's Sunday school groups, whether it's individuals or families. Uh, we're trying to get churches to put it on their budget. We're trying to get presbyteries to put it on their budget. Uh, Lynn Thomas says when he travels around, he says that if 500 people, individuals or churches, would give $2,000 a year, we'd have a million dollars and we could recruit missionaries. Right now, I know that there's about four or five places that we can start mission work if we had people and money. So, my goal before we go in the next three and a half months 
is to get 20 to 30 new individuals, groups, presbyteries, churches, to say that we can give $2,000 a year to Stott Wallace. You can support individual missionaries. You can support all of them at once. I went to a middle school conference a few months ago with my middle schoolers, and there was, um, they were talking about being generous. And there was a saying that they said that has stuck with me. And it was, do what you can, when you can, for who you can. What you can, when you can, for who you can. That's all we're asking, whether it's prayer, whether it's emails of support, whether it's financial support, whether it's us or the other missionaries, do what you can, when you can, for who you can. And people outside the United States are already doing that. These were some pastors, the pastor and pastor's wife that you might have seen in our picture before. This is the weekend that uh, the Presbytery, the Emmaus Presbytery, was officially formed. This church said, you know what, we want to support our missionaries. So we're going to dedicate this wall to the Stott Wallace Missionary Offering Fund. In their church, they've created these jugs that they're going to collect money. And in December, they're going to, they have, all their church members are going to bring their cans. And whatever they have in there, they're going to send to the United States for the Stott Wallace Missionary Offering. It's probably not going to be $2,000, right? But it's what they can do. It's when they can do it. And it's for who they can we have a friend that sent us $200 from Colombia. $200 may not seem a lot, like a lot, but when we were there in October, he said, Patrick, I want to take you to dinner. Do you like pizza? I said, yeah, I love pizza. And he said, I'm going to take you to the best pizza you've ever had. I said, great. He said, afterwards, we're going to walk around. Take you to, you're going to have the best donut you'll ever have. I said, okay. He took me to Papa John's and Krispy Kreme. <laughs> he wasn't wrong. Um, while we were at Krispy Kreme, I bought a dozen donuts. For His fiancé was there, so it was him, his fiancé, and the two of us. And I thought, I'll take the rest of them back to the pastor's house that we're staying at, and we can share them. I paid for it, and he said, do you know what you just did? I said, I just bought a dozen donuts. He's like, yeah, but do you know what you did? I said, no, I guess not. And he said, you just spent a day's work for a Colombian on a dozen donuts. This guy sent $200. He did what he can, for who he can, when he can. So think, how can you fit into that equation? There's a couple ways we'd like for you to join us on our journey. We have a webpage, uh, wilkersoncpmissions.com. And we, that's a, we blog, and uh, you can keep up with us. You can follow our journey. Uh, we have a Facebook page. We have an email that you can send us some emails. And if you feel led to give uh, to the Stott Wallace Fund, here's a link that you can go to, and you can either select to give to the general fund, or you can select that you want to give to specific missionaries. All of our pictures are there. So, what's God calling you to do? In what ways are, is God challenging you to do something? In what ways is God asking you not just to come to church, not just to pray and read, which are all good things, but in what ways is God saying, you know what, you need to put some wheels to your faith. You need to do something about the things you say you believe in. How is God calling you? Let's pray.
God, we give you thanks for this morning. We're thankful that we can come together in this place and that we can worship you, that we can sing you songs, that we can read your scripture. We just pray that as we go from this place that you continue to challenge us. You continue to make us ask questions of what I can do to further your kingdom. We love you and we praise you in Christ's name.